Vodka. 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 Vodka O'Clock. Hey everyone, it's Amber Love from Vodka O'Clock and AmberOnMass.com. And just reminding you that, you know, sometimes it's an explicit podcast and website. And after all of the drinks that I've had, I might be a little bit explicit. So, <laughs> joining me today is Chris Moreno and, um... So you're here from fabulous Hollywood La La Land. Yes. Thanks yes. for coming back to New Jersey. I look. I have a lot of Jersey pride. Um, Thank you. It's my. It it's is stronger than the storm, man. Oh yeah. I I just actually I, encountered that tagline. Oh my god! I'm so day. sick of that commercial. I think all of our FEMA funds have gone to that commercial. Thanks, Christy. I, I would hate that. I would hate actually that that was what literally spent the money on. every commercial break. It runs twice. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. We're stronger than the storm. I don't know. I feel like they could have done better, but I, 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 off the top of my head, I can't think of anything. So. Oh well, 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 but you know, you can, so you came back, so you weren't here during the superstorm. No, but I was very worried for my family at the time. Yeah, because they're down, like actually near the coastal area. Uh, ish. ish. I mean, my mom. Yeah, my mom's in Marlboro, which is, I mean, it's not coastal enough. But my brother's in Jersey City, so. I was a little worried. For yeah, it them. really was because of our topography. It really sort of depends on where you are. Like there yeah. are certain towns that flood no matter what. Like Boundbrook, right. which is central. Boundbrook, you know, Wayne. There are certain towns that have rivers going through them. They're going to flood even just during right. a regular rainstorm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, but everybody in your family is safe. Everybody yeah. is kind of yeah, okay? with minimal problems. I don't think any, like the power went out and stuff like that, but nobody had any real damage yeah thankfully because Um, we're talking like i mean it's a good amount of time later and people are still like coming out of hotels and stuff yeah yeah there's still a lot of people that had it like way worse and you know i'm I'm thankful that you know most of my the people that you know i was sort of worried about made it out okay but you know i'm it's definitely something that like um you know affected me just in terms of you know even some of my favorite places to go to are sort of changed, like, mm-hmm. drastically. Um, and there's a lot of rebuilding and stuff like that that has to be done, and, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 pretty rough. Um, and now we're, it's literally, we're recording this, by the way, um, the official first day of summer, summer solstice. Happy solstice. Hey, what's up? And, um, and we were just remarking about how lovely the moon looks because there's a super moon in, um, on Sunday. I was saying it doesn't look that super to me, but I guess, oh, so this the full on super moon. The super moon is coming. See, cause my mom and texted me and said super moon was happening and I was just like, where? Where? Yeah. It's not, it's not happening just yet, but, um, It'll be fabulous, I promise. But you have to... It's, it's like, like... It's 7 like, in the morning on Sunday. It's like the Man of Steel movie. He isn't <laughs> Supermoon yet. It's not They're, yet. Nobody's referring to him as Supermoon. He'll be Supermoon <laughs> in the next movie. What, one, one would hope. Maybe. I would hope. I would hope. Um, maybe, maybe the Supermoon will have underwear. I don't know. <laughs> well, um, all of a sudden, we got we got to cover that Supermoon up. Yeah. Well, no, I'm all about living free. Let's face it, I was happier when I didn't have clothes on. Um, yeah, I like the I like the Man of Steel costume. I thought it was kind of cool. It seems neat. It reminded me of like Flash Gordon and 
sort of 30s. It reminds me more of the 30s and the origins of Superman in some ways than... Yeah. I think than, it's it's far anyway. better than the Superman Returns where they had the little shields all over everything and the cowboy boots. You know, the funny thing is I didn't notice that until somebody pointed that out to me. Mm-hmm. And then I... Because th- that was a big gripe of theirs. And I thought, that's something that's like almost subliminal. I mm-hmm. wouldn't have even noticed. Yeah, it was something that was... And you know, the Star, Trek, the Star Trek jerseys that they wear that. in the new Star Trek have little tiny... Starfleet insignias all over them. Yeah, they're sort of almost scale mail looking in design. That's the new superhero motif is the patterns on your costume. Right. I remember... Tobey Maguire started that as Spider-Man. We'll just blame him. Yeah. When I I watched... Blame Tobey Maguire (laughs) Blame Tobey Maguire. Um, I blame Tobey Maguire for so many things. I do. Yeah. Well, yeah. He wouldn't go to prom with me, so... (laughs) (laughs) I just mean like if I have a bad day, I blame Tobey Maguire. When I, wa- when I watched uh, Star Trek, I kept wondering, like, where the hell the zippers were, because I remember something about zippers, and somebody's like, oh, don't you remember in Next Generation, there were no zippers? And it's like they're Amish in the future. <laughs> and, I think that's the first time I've ever heard that, but I kind of like that. And, I like that they're Amish in the future. <laughs> so I'm looking, you know, and I'm staring at these amazing jackets and this design, I'm like, okay, well, it's like, you know, this Mandarin collar, and obviously these men put the jackets on over these shirts. Where are the zippers? They must exist somewhere. And I and I know how to sew in an invisible zipper, and they're yeah. never quite invisible. What about magnets? It, it could be magnets. As you can tell, if you hear these sirens, we're in New Jersey. We have some, we have some ambient noise, but it's all good. We did, they, if they're coming for... Please send bail. We didn't do anything. It was probably that Tobey Maguire. <laughs> up to no good. Um, I thought it was magnets and shit. It could, you know... That's it, my explanation for everything, though. But see, I've heard magnets. that magnets hold in the Spider-Man lenses. Yeah. So, I have never tried that. I like it. I like the idea. I, I think to myself, I don't... Um, not to get sort of like a uh, new agey on, on it, but like I wonder like what putting magnets so close to your face, if that does something Do. weird to you. Well, but then again, I, I guess like the insane clown posse, I don't understand how fucking magnets work. So. We, <laughs> you know, I was reading something about like how much like bad food we eat in this country that's like actually outlawed in other countries. I'm like, that's why I'm so dumb. Oh, we're mutating ourselves between the food, the stuff that's in our food and also the fact that we have devices that emit radiation and signals and stuff. Yeah. Uh, on our person all the time. Yeah. I'm surprised we don't all look like Swamp Thing monsters. We should all be unmet. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for my superpowers to develop because I will fall asleep with the phone charging on the nightstand. Oh, yeah. By my head. By the, yeah, yeah. my, my netbook mm-hmm. there also plugged in oh, and yeah. then fall asleep with the Kindle in bed Yeah. and the giant, you know, movie theater size screen TV, you know, right at the end of the bed. Yeah. So, so at this point, you should be fifty feet tall. You should be fifty really? feet tall. And instead, I'm like five feet. I'm like, yeah. I'm, it's like the opposite. Right. But my my brain, however, is just, oh yeah, you know, absolutely. <laughs> Let's I'd like, I'd love to think the phone by my head is making. Me <laughs> like, no, it's not. It's all going to my boobs. Yeah. My vocabulary. <laughs> it's, it's my vocabulary. Yeah, as, as for every every brain cell I kill, it all goes to my boobs. <laughs> I feel like that's a t shirt. That's a t shirt. <laughs> It's, yeah, well, we are very close to the Jersey Shore. <laughs> there you go. You get some guy airbrush one. Yeah. You could they do that. T- take a break from from airbrushing Tony and Sheila forever <laughs> on a sunset and do this one. 
and, and yes. Can they, uh, well, I'm not sure if they can spell brain cells. I've seen ecstasy written and like. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that the misspelling was by request. I give the, I give the airbrush artists of the Wildwood Boardwalk a lot more credit. <laughs> oh. I feel like their genius is yet to be discovered because they're still stuck doing. That's true. Well, you know, yeah, if you can, if Rhonda you can spell. And, Rhonda and Jimmy. <laughs> If if we have to pr- now pronounce things like fifty cent instead of <laughs> instead of what it is, I think we can forgive it's spelling never, on graffiti. It's never spelled phonetically though. Uh, that's what I want. I want fitty. Fitty. What if you wrote that on your check? Would they cash it? Fifty dollars. Fitty. Uh, I feel like it because I, when I first when I first learned to, when I was a kid growing up and I learned about writing checks, I was always told that they look at the the words. And, and not, the number, not the number inside the box. But honestly, I'm convinced more and more that they're just looking at the number in the box. Yeah. How could they decipher my handwriting? <laughs> Sometimes I don't even make real letters. Like, I'm, I get so wrapped up in the Fs, they all just sort of make curvy shapes. Oh, my goodness. And then, you know, how would you read that? Now, are you as dumb as some of the celebrities were? Do you write checks to your prostitutes out there in La La Land? Or, you know? I like that. That's sort of like a trick question. You're trying to get me to admit, <laughs> A, that I employ prostitutes. And, and B, <laughs> that you pay with a check. That I pay with a check. <laughs> um, wasn't it Jerry Springer? I forget. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, because did he, yeah, he used a check. Did it bounce? Is that why? It was it, something he got caught. That's yeah. why he got busted. Or he was using, he was using like city funds or something. <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, I pay my prostitutes in cash. I mean, that's. That's the way it is. That's, I feel like that's the courtesy. They don't know me. And that how, way it's how un- do they know my check? So it's under the table and you know, there's, yeah. you know, and until they legalize and tax the shit, then it might as well be, right. you know, cash. I pay in quarters. I pay in all the quarters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hand him a big bag of change. Yeah, see, you know, it used to be that here on the, you know, Garden State Parkway, you just hand a roll of, of tokens, but now we have no tokens yeah. anymore. It's all easy pass. Exactly. <laughs> Prostitutes used to work for tokens. <laughs> well, it's far better than, like, you know, those um, game Chuck E. Cheese coins. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey Dollars? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, we've so derailed. Why? Isn't this, isn't this what the podcast is? Yeah, we... we talk it, about anything. We can talk about anything, and that's the great thing. Yeah. And we can talk about, you know, we can talk about comics well, and... talk about dumb old comics. Yeah. No, I mean, and we had an amazing conversation about, you know, careers and television and... Um, uh, well, how many podcasts do you do? Like, are you, like, a regular? No, I, I mean, I used to do a lot of them. I used to do Comic Geek Speak pretty often, and, and uh, I was on the Crankcast a lot, um, done word balloon a few times. I, you know, I've got my, my podcast cred. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're all and fabulous. Then, Let's face it. Yeah, that's and, why I know you. Right. Exactly. I think that's why a lot of people know me, at least in the tri-state area. Um, and then I do, uh, I still do gym commentary with Matt, the, uh, our, our podcast commentary track thing. We, I, the, the main thing that's kept me from doing all of that stuff more recently is just all the work. It's just been hard to sort of coordinate. It's hard to be famous? I wouldn't say it's hard to be famous. It's hard to be employed constantly. That's, you know, but it's not a complaint. I, I w- the alternative would be yes. way, way worse. 
I would be unemployed and also available for way more podcasts. <laughs> because we were discussing about how that you have a serious lack of sleep right now. Yeah, a little bit. A little, little bit. bit. There's a lot of irons in the fire. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, this is supposed to be your vacation and you're working. Yeah, but you know what? It's one of those things where I booked this, like, months ago and... If I if I waited for the right time to take vacation, I would never do it. But what ends up happening is usually by the time my vacation rolls around, I still have work to do. So I end up having a sort of working vacation. But I made myself a promise this time that if I didn't get a full vacation, I would just keep taking vacations until I got a full vacation. So I'll probably be back here in like a couple weeks. Oh, I think that's a really good plan. I think so. Or it's completely stupid, but at the same time, you know, what else am I going to do? I need to, I need to have a, a little bit of me time, <laughs> just a little bit. A little bit. So, what do you do when you're here in New Jersey? Nothing. That's my favorite thing. It's like, I, I, my, my dream and my fantasy vacation is to go to a an exotic location, like let's say Hawaii, and do nothing. This is not it. I know. But, I mean, I did get pretty far into the doing nothing part. Um, but, but yeah, honestly, like, if I had a vacation and I didn't travel, I would probably just sit on the couch, stare at a wall. Uh-huh. Complete, like, com- be, to be completely inert is sort of like a fantastic vacation for someone in my line of work. Catch up on cartoons? Yeah, or something. Yeah. You know, watch garbage on television, maybe play some video games. It, it, it's... I find myself constantly, if I'm not working, I'm thinking about work or I'm thinking about other projects. That's the hard part is I don't think you ever really go on vacation because your brain is still sort of working all the time. Uh-huh. And what are you working on? Are you allowed to talk about anything? Well, I mean, the the, the comic on the comics end, um, I did a story in the uh, Thrilling Adventure Hour anthology that got Oh, shout out to Bl- Ben Blacker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's was, like my favorite podcast. Oh, cool. I was very excited about that. Yeah. Just because I, I like their show. Um, and uh, Joe LaFave uh, hooked, that, hooked me up on that one. And he and I have been, he's the editor on it. And we've been talking about working together on some stuff before. Um, There's nothing like that anywhere else that I know of. You mean a, as far a as thrilling the thrilling adventure hour? hour? Yeah. There's, I mean, the way they do it and how they do it. Yes. There's nobody doing it. There's yeah. nobody doing it. There's a there's a another group out in L.A. called Captured Oral Fantasy Theater, and Oral A U R A L. Right. Because they're hippies. I don't know what the other one would be. I don't know what Captured Oral would be, but. Um, well, I got some ideas. I was gonna say they've got websites for that, um, but uh, <laughs> but they Captured Oral Fantasy Theater. They do. Um, they don't do it the way Thrilling uh, Adventure Hour does it. Thrilling Adventure Hour does it as almost like a, a, like imagining. It's, an it's like an al- uh, imagine an alternate reality where they still did sort of radio radio shows. shows. It's and, a, it's very classic yeah, and pulp. Yeah, um, but what Captured Oral Fantasy does is they do they do comic book readings of old comic books from the fifties and stuff, but they do it as a radio show. Okay, so it's already pre existing material that they sort of you know do in in their sort of. Uh, fun way and and uh and that's that's probably the only other one i can think of that does that type of thing but they're both very very different but but very funny both of them but but truly adventure hour what i enjoy about it is all the they're all original characters they're all these sort of things that they've created and um i did the um i did 
the uh, Colonel TikTok offering for that one. Um, if you guys listen to the Thring Adventure Hour, and you'll, you'll know who Colonel TikTok is. It's sort of a sort of a Doctor Who by way of Michael Caine and Zulu, I guess is <laughs> sort of the way I think of it. And, and then, um, and then I, I'm doing a book called Worth that's coming out from Roddenberry Entertainment by way of Arcana. Uh, that'll have uh, have some stuff out for Comic Con, and then um, I'm doing I'm I'm art directing for the new Shaolin Chronicles cartoon. So that's that's a really big deal. It's a big shift. Yeah, you're like famous, and you're in my car. <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean I'm not getting out of here? I'm, yeah, I'm, no. I'm, I'm I've got like that's I've it. got like James Bond controls, say, and I, you're like really trapped. I don't see where the door, there's no door handles on this. No, side. I'm getting yeah. a little nervous, but you know, I got no particular place to go. Good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the the cartoon stuff has been really kind of cool, and it just sort of came about. Um, sort of by accident, but, you know, it's been really, really cool. Um, the original show was Shaolin Showdown, and I, I know Which was got, really cool, yeah. It's got a tremendous fan base. And uh, it was, that was quite a while ago, so there's yeah, a gap. it was a bit ago, but the fans are hardcore, and they're devoted, and um, very vocal on our Facebook page about <laughs> the things they like and the things that they don't like. Um, but all I've been telling people is, like, you know, if you like the original show, Christy Hui was the creator of this original show is back and still the creator of the show so a lot of the sense of humor and a lot of the sort of that the sort of comedy action combos is there um we did have to change some of the designs and stuff for various reasons but but the spirit of the show sort of remains intact now that was a cartoon network show right uh kids wb oh wb okay yeah back toward the very end of kids WB. okay and um you were talking about how there's you have to coordinate with with France or Canada, and you're in LA. Yeah. So it's a French co-production. Um. So the production team is in Paris. Well, and I know like because French comics are you know like they have Beta and it's a whole different different world, but yet they're like to them it's still an art form. Mm-hmm. And here we're sort of like still struggling. Yeah. With, with the recognition and stuff. So what do you find when you're working with people from France? You mean in terms of the way they perceive comic books? Or, yeah, it with the cartoon. Co- it and doesn't the... come up a ton, you know, on the show because the show is its sort of own thing. It, we draw... Is there a comic tie-in? Uh, do we know? No. I mean, there might be at some point. It just seems but... like it would fit really well. Yeah, I mean, it seems like with Adventure Time and stuff like and uh, My Little Pony, I wouldn't be surprised, but, uh, yeah, there's nothing I can sort of talk about right now. Um, but I mean, on the show, on the, on the show, we draw from a lot of influences. I mean, part of what I've been doing with Christy and stuff is, you know, in, in sort of designing the environments and, and a lot of the stuff that goes into the episodes, we're pulling from a lot of different stuff. Um, some of it's sort of the more ancient Chinese stuff, maybe some mythology, but I mean, we're just grabbing from everywhere. We just we just designed some stuff uh, recently that had like a total Salvador Dali sort of bend to it, and you know, it just sort of came out of the weird characters. That see, when we see stuff like that, that's when we're going. You know what? All those animators are totally like eating shrooms right now. Yeah, you know, it's funny though. I I feel like 
my response to that usually, because a lot of people like to say, oh, you must have really been smoking some stuff. It it's really like, seems like it. Like, yeah, well, yeah. one, that stuff usually inhibits my ability. Like, So I'm never really totally optimal under those circumstances. Then also, my thinking is, that's what's sort of great about being a creative person, is you don't always necessarily need to tap into that. It's like our a lot of times our brains are open for that kind of thought naturally. Um, so you know, for all of us to sort of go to those places, it's really more just about talking amongst each other and sort of brainstorming and sort of those things are um, ways to sort of get to that place, you know, sort of a little bit more naturally, I guess. So when, with, when Without you, me missing work or... When you were a kid, what would your brain process have been for thinking about, I want to make cartoons? Um... Would, would this be I mean, what you were doing, or would it no, have been something totally different? I, I wouldn't have thought of that. I mean, it, my dad drew a lot for me and my brother as kids, so I think that was our first sort of, like, experience, thinking, like, oh, um, a person makes these. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we're, we're not, like, I think I think when you're a kid, and, and I think even as you get older, if, if you're not aware of the creative end of things, you, you can be a very passive consumer of entertainment. So it all just sort of is supplied to you. And you don't really think about where it comes from. You just sort of enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, I was very late about that. I right. didn't realize it where, where it came um, from. So I think from my dad, I think we learned a lot about like, oh, those are drawings. Mm-hmm. And it all sort of starts with a drawing. And it starts with a person sitting there and sort of sketching it up and then adding color and stuff like that. So I think for me and my brother, we were both really into the process of making the thing as a in addition to enjoying the finished thing. So I remember as a kid being just as into animation as I was into comics, you know, in terms of how it's done, who works on those things. And you start looking at the credits and you start seeing the same names popping up where you notice certain studios make certain things and they don't make other things. And um, I think I think any sort of artist starts from a place of pure enjoyment. And then as a byproduct of their active interest in that thing, they start to learn more about it just from from being interested. It's not enough to just like the thing at some point. It's about looking at how it's done or what it what it is, like what are the parts, what are the you know, you just start of start keying in on those things in conversation or things you read and then you sort of seek it out and then and then I think it contributes to a greater knowledge. That's why I think you can have amateurs in any pursuit that have that are almost professionals mm-hmm. because of it has to do with sort of the focused interest and sort of the knowledge that's gained from doing um, that's when I when I interviewed Steve Wang about special effects mm-hmm. he, that was exactly what he was saying he's like I liked this stuff and it organically evolved for him was yeah. you know it was like well i started collecting these rubber masks from the halloween store right. and I, I learned how to you know how to start sculpting and everything was just so organic yeah. and um, it doesn't feel like studying it doesn't feel like work yeah you know that that's something that i run into when i encounter people that are trying to get into these things or, or are just starting they come at it from a place where like they they're automatically thinking about the time it's going to take to learn something or they're they're looking at it as some sort of goal or a mountain to climb whereas you know for me it, 
all the years I spent being into it contributed to what I have now. So it didn't feel like I was I wasn't cramming for a drawing test. I wasn't I wasn't you know trying to stay awake through a lecture about Bugs Bunny and you know why it's funny that he dresses up like a girl. You know, uh, it was all just part of my life. So it just sort of becomes a thing. It, 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 it becomes a part of your personality in your life in a way that devoting time to it as study doesn't. Well, what did your folks do? I mean, was, were they artists as well? Um, I think in their own way. I mean, my dad, my dad was in the Marines, but drawing was always sort of a big part of his life. And he always found cool ways to sort of incorporate it into whatever he was doing. He worked motor transport initially. So that was him working on tanks and jeeps and stuff like that. So any excuse he had to draw a diagram of something or, you know, use artwork to sort of like spice up a presentation he had to give uh, in the garage, like he would do all of those things. Um, and then also that's where we got introduced to Will Eisner, even though we didn't recognize it because my dad had all the PS magazine, uh, nice. preventative maintenance monthly magazines that Will Eisner had started in his garage. So me and my brother were sort of looking at comics, not just, uh, from an entertainment standpoint, we were looking at it as an instructional thing. So we would just spread them all out on the floor when he would take us to work. That is so weird. I totally forgot that I once built one of my dad's PowerPoint tank presentations. Oh, okay. Cool. That is so funny. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, he, he was always drawing. And so in addition to that stuff, I mean, he read Marvel comics. So it was all like Conan the Barbarian and Thor and Black Panther and Master of Kung Fu and stuff like that. My mom was artistic in in a lot of other ways. I think she was always very sort of craft oriented, and um, you know, I think both of my parents have really good imaginations and good senses of humor and things like that. So I mean, like you know, while they weren't necessarily totally involved in exactly what me and my brother did, they they understood that they understood the importance of creativity, and they certainly encouraged us in the things that we got into. You know? So how did you end up in Los Angeles? How did you literally just like pack up, switch coasts and end up over there? Well, uh, uh, the girl I was dating at the time, Lauren Perry, she had gotten a job at a publisher called Space Dog and we were both living in Pennsylvania and I started working for them too. So she was project manager over there and then I got a job as an art director for them in addition to freelancing on some of their stuff and they were based in LA. So... Uh, for her to do her job better, it would be better. For, it would have been better for her to be there. Okay. And I was looking for an excuse to go out there anyway, but it didn't seem. I guess it didn't seem prudent for me to go out there without a job because I, I didn't, I didn't have. Uh, if I had to imagine the idea of going out there to quote unquote make it, mm -hmm. you know, it just. You know, a dream and a, <laughs> like eight what bucks a, in your pocket. Yeah, and a dream. it's like you know, uh, I, I'm thinking of the journey. Don't stop believing, so now. Um, <laughs> but uh, but that didn't seem that didn't seem right for me. So, but the opportunity was there, and I had a job going out, so that made sense. Um, and I was still freelancing in comics at the same time, so we felt like we were in a good enough place, like money wise, to sort of make it happen. Um, so then we went out there and and work for Space Dog and doing other stuff. And it was 
from going to LA that actually got me into a lot more of the extra stuff. You know, advertising storyboards and some of the animation stuff and stuff for like, you know, TV shows and prop design and concepts and all the stuff that I had sort of been leaning toward doing more of. Um, it's just easier to do out there because that's where all those that's gigs where are. That's where it is. Well, it's a very different East Coast, West Coast thing, whereas, you know, East Coast, we think about Broadway and theater. Yeah. And the uh, the comic companies are still, you know, Marvel and DC are still in New York, even though their parent companies aren't. Um, so you're out there finally in, you know, West Coast where everything is um, Hollywood-centric. And... Yet, because of the parent companies, things are all interlaced, and you've yeah. had these amazing opportunities. And yeah, it's it's it, it's interesting. The comic book work you can sort of do anywhere, right? So that was always sort of a constant still. But yeah, because everything's sort of mixing together now, it's like all of these other opportunities pop up, and you know, a lot of times you're just sort of meeting people, and at first your entry into all of this stuff is you're the comic book guy. So. Um, I do a lot of work for Disney Channel shows mm -hmm. just because uh, the first gig was for a Disney show called Pair of Kings. Um, and the producers needed a guy who drew comic books because they did an episode where a kid on the show drew comic books and they wanted someone to draw the comic books that the kids drew on the show. Um, and so that was my, my entry into that that sort of group of producers and working for them but as I started working with them they found out I could do all these other things like if they needed concepts of a background that they were designing you know I could do that uh, you know for the set designers to look at or if it was some makeup test for a character I could do a concept of that for them to look at and then it started branching out into weird little animated segments that they did that I could provide artwork for and then uh you know, it, you know, comics is such a great training ground for all different kinds of things because you have to do so much full art, full and complete art for uh, for a comic that all these other jobs are sort of like little pieces of things. You know, if you do a storyboard, it's not as detailed as a as a full comic is. But right, then it, and if you do the design of a character, that's it's just still, a one-off image. It's not the wardrobe department, right? It might be more detailed, but it's also just sort of like a one-off image that yeah. then goes to somebody else. It's not the finished thing. That's yeah. that's sort of the cool thing about those jobs is like then it goes off to somebody else, and then they do another thing to that, and then it ends up somewhere else. So as a result, it's sort of kind of it, it's sort of cool because the gigs are usually shorter. You know, so, yeah. and, and the turnaround is, isn't quite as immediate. That's the one thing about comics that I, I still really enjoy a lot is the sort of instant gratification. It's like, you know, you finish a comic and within the month it's like sort of out, you know, if it's that close right. to solicitation, it's like, um, TV shows and movies and all these other things still take sort of like a pretty... Development is totally different yeah. period of time. Yeah. And sometimes you do stuff for things that never comes out, you know, it's well, and even now that's different though, because now we've got, and you know, yeah. like, in, you know, even just everything from social media where, you know, if you have a dream for a TV show and you're not going to make it onto NBC, fuck, go film your TV yeah. show. 
and you're just going to film it and you're going to throw it up on YouTube and it's, it's out there. It's getting easier now. Or break or whatever. Sure. But I mean, like, that, the concept of gig, uh, you know, for opportunities is sort of falling by the wayside now because... Yeah, it's easier than ever to make your own show. But there's a million more comic. people to compete with, too. There are, but, you know, the the thing I think a lot of people don't think about is there's also millions and billions of people on the planet. So even though you, the, the amount of people you're competing with has gotten larger, it still doesn't beat the potential size of your audience. And, you know, like I was saying before, it's like, it's not like everybody's only has a limited amount of room in their heart. You know what I mean? It's like, if someone likes one thing and your thing is sort of similar, there's no reason why they can't like them both. So I, I feel like the concept of people fighting over the same eyes or the same dollars is a bit of a myth. And I think it's also a way that people can can make excuses for maybe why things didn't turn out so good. Because they'll go, oh, well... So, so, Bat so Batman and Spider-Man can live in the same world. Essentially. Or your Batman-like character can live in the same world as actual Batman. I mean, okay. you know... it. it uh, you see a lot of sour grapes from people talking like, well, of course so-and-so got something because they've got a big name or they're so-and-so's cousin or whatever. Sure. I feel like these days, because you've got things like YouTube and the internet and uh, web comics and, you know, digital comics platforms. I don't feel like those excuses apply anymore. You can't just say, oh, well, certain people always get all the breaks and me, I'm over here and I got nothing. Because right now there's nothing stopping you. Like, there's nothing stopping you from making anything. I think Felicia Day is, like, the greatest example. Yeah. And it wasn't, she didn't have to ask permission to do anything. I mean, no, it, was it was more like, this is what I want to do. I figured out how to do it. I've assembled sort of a group of people that I can do this with. And, you know, she was able to build an audience. And that audience might not even be the kind of audience that would have seen her, her other on-screen work. You know right. what I mean? Uh, but, and to yet some they propelled her right. into to, those other things. To some people, you're going to almost seem to come out of nowhere. Yeah. Because, again, you're talking about the original audience for all these things, the people that, say, watch regular television, right. like regular primetime television, or the people that only What's go into that? a comic book store, <laughs> or the people that only read print comics. It's like, beyond that are people that aren't necessarily held up by the same preconceived notions or biases about projects or the same cynicism about things, and that just go, oh, that's funny, or, oh, I like that. Yeah that book was cool or whatever. Like I like chefs and this comic book is about chefs. You, you know, know, that's really funny because it was today. Somebody I'm not going to call them out. Um, was complaining about how celebrity chefs are invading pop culture, and he, he was like pissed off about it. And that I'm like, sounds, only on the internet could something could it was could Twitter. a gripe that specific. It was so specific. So wait, what is it? Celebrity celebrity chefs, chefs invading pop culture. Invading pop. And culture. I was like, you know, I okay. so much prefer chefs over reality TV stars that are literally talentless. Because they do something. Um, because yeah, it's like, I'm sorry, these, yes, I mean, it's like, I love the, you know, like food network and cooking channels and all these things. And I'm addicted to like anything Anthony Bourdain does. (laughs) And, 
Um, they make food also. They and make if, food. And if they're shitty at their job, they're done. And so, it's like, and I love when they're drunk chefs too. Like it just makes everything better. Like I mean, I've seen Anthony Bourdain like fall off a chair. I mean, it's like the fat, most fabulous thing ever. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, I mean, it's. it's I'm sure it's hilarious. It is. It is. But anybody falling off a chair. Is <laughs> but you know, you're talking about somebody with like, you know, celebrity and money, and he's like in in Italy, and it's like all of a sudden he's like just completely fallen over off his chair. Yeah. Um, so, so this guy's uh, or gal's gripe was that celebrity, celebrity chefs, chefs are, have invaded pop have culture, invaded and pop because culture. they there's there's you know they're but I mean like have they clients. made it bad or I don't oh because Bourdain had that comic Bourdain book? has a comic um, does Mario Batali have a superhero that he's working on or uh, it could very well be yeah. he would wear orange Bobby, clogs Bobby Flay man or something. We, Does Bobby Flay have a video game that's Well, I, let's, I mean, let's, all, saying, let's face I, it. Paula Dean is now the world's most hated supervillain of all time. I, I'm just trying to figure out, though, where the invasion is happening. Where, like, <laughs> I, I, I feel like there's a little bit of hyperbole there. <laughs> but then again, we're talking about the internet. Where hyperbole has just taken like, the place of, of literal, literal <laughs> language. Things are either the greatest thing ever or the worst thing in the world. And there's no middle ground. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And yeah, I mean, so these these are the things that I see on Twitter. Okay. I love Twitter; it's my favorite social media. You can't unsee them either. No, you you can't. I, I like, like that idea. I'm gonna just float that out at a party and see how that goes. Where I'll just nonchalantly say, "Well, you know, of course, celebrity chefs have invaded pop culture," and then just watch someone go like, "Ah, uh, what?" Well, people know. Yeah, I mean, people. It is a pop culture into itself because there's. Um, People know who Jamie Oliver is, and people know who Paula Dean is, and you yeah, know. But there's, I feel like there's still enough people that don't. I mean, there's still <laughs> enough people that don't watch the Food Network and all these other things, you know. That probably it, they, they, mean, they eat at TGI Fridays every weekend, and you know that's I, as far as their culinary to, tastes go. I have to say, though, I mean, because it's like I don't. The, I don't like reality things in the in the extent that I hate. A certain amount of competition, but hell, do I love the the cake competitions? Okay. When they come out and do the Halloween cake competitions every year, I'm all over that shit. Or the pumpkin carvings. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, give me those pumpkin carving things on on like Cooking Channel and Food Channel. I like the level of artistry involved, but I, part of me thinks when I watch some of those cake competitions, how much of that cake could you actually eat? Oh, it's been sitting there for days. Well, I'm just saying, though, like, some of those, they look like 90% fondant. It mostly is, yeah. People are pretty much over fondant, but it's, you know. Or fondant. I don't know how you pronounce it. I don't know. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of it is made out of, like, the Rice Krispie Treat and wire structure. Oof. And, um. Sounds delicious. Yeah, see, there's a, there's a certain amount that's allowed to be not edible. There's a there's a certain amount there's a certain amount of excess to that that I find a little deplorable. <laughs> that you would make something out of food that you can't eat. <laughs> well, yeah, we were talking about that about how much food there is that that like the United States has that was like, I mean, if it's outlawed in China, we should not be eating yeah. it. <laughs> it's got like antifreeze or something in it. <laughs> And yet, oh, we're America. We're happy to well, ingest hey, anything. I want to see a cake that's shaped like Cookie Monster. Why not? <laughs> we don't care if I it's wanna, poisonous. I want to see a full-size uh, Boris Karloff Frankenstein cake. And it will have smoke yeah, coming out of it. electricity shooting out of it. Yeah. Completely. It talks because it's got a speaker inside it. 
Yes, and then the trick is always to then move it <laughs> from the countertop to the table you have an for presentation. Control and it walks by itself. Yeah, yeah. It's a walking cake. And yeah, animatronics make the cake decorating thing like really over the top. I can't even imagine. Like my pumpkins, Do I'm they really. Have that? I didn't. I was yes. just joking. Oh no, it's a thing. It is a thing. And, like, I'm, like, really proud of my pumpkins. And my pumpkins, like, do not move. I'm just, I throw in an ass load of, like, the battery-operated little tea lights and stuff. Yeah. I'm like, wow, I suck compared to these guys. Like, but I'm happy. Look, that's Harley Quinn in a pumpkin. It's a level of competition, though, that I think most people don't have to encounter. So I think you should feel, you should I'm feel okay. okay. I'm okay. You should a, be secure with your <laughs> I'm okay that I've carved Batman into a pumpkin. Yeah. Most people don't do that. They just do the two eyes and the mouth, and then they call it a day. <laughs> I think the I think the stencil market has made it a bit more competitive for yeah, for Halloween. I feel like the stencil things have sort of made it hard for everybody to sort of stand out, you know. But they've made it easier for the average person, you know. Technology makes things convenient. Right. We were talking about technology before. Mm-hmm. Like, we're here in the car recording. I mean, if aliens beamed down and tractor beamed us somewhere else right now, we'd be like, fuck, we did this amazing podcast. No, I'd probably be thinking, do I still get cell service here <laughs> in outer space? But You know, I wouldn't be worried so much about cell service as I am about full service gas station pumping, as we were discussing before, like the oh, greatest thing about New Jersey. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you'd be worried about full service, uh, I don't know. Human body pumping. But yes, well, there's always that. That's, you know, we are near the parkway. <laughs> I've seen communion. I know what happens. <laughs> I'm going to go up there with Christopher Walken and smoke a hookah with aliens. <laughs> Suck on a you vacuum will, tube. You'll be serviced. Yeah. You'll be serviced appropriately. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> and there's tokens. Oh, geez. I don't even want to know what that's all about. <laughs> But I want to, you know, let's, let's, you know, I'm sure you've probably talked about it to death and all, but you were on Castle. Which I is was. one of my favorite shows of all time. It was very exciting. And, you know, you got to have Stana Kotick and, like, all these amazing I, I people. I had Stana Kotick come by and say hi to me. Aww. Oh, and it was so great. I got chills. Oh, I would too. Yeah. I would, I, yeah. I wanted to say I loved you as Morgan Stern in the spirit, but I, <laughs> I know, right? I, didn't, I couldn't muster the the, or, the strength. Yes, Hannah Geidelman in the Heroes. Uh huh. Yeah. I, uh, I I was saying earlier though, I did get to spend an inordinate inordinate amount of time staring at Nathan Fillion's butt, which to me sounds like a dream job assignment, and yet totally wasted on me. So I feel like somewhere someone was wishing they could have traded places with me at that moment, but I was just like, well. That I'm was here. me. He's my husband. Yeah. I oh, just didn't okay. get to tell you. I uh, I wrote it out, so. We have a, yeah, we have a very open relationship. He's looking good. That's all I'm going to say. And he's very tall. Yeah. Like in, in, he, both he and Jonathan Frakes, who directed the episode. Tall gentleman. You're pretty damn tall. That's, yeah. And we can, we can sense our own, too, like the Highlander. <laughs> Even from a distance where I can't tell the sense of scale. Are you like Mike Norton tall? I mean, are we talking? <laughs> Norton's taller than me, I think. Yeah, he's yeah. He's a big dude. <laughs> he's kind of cool that way. It's he's, that Midwestern thing. They like just grow them big out there. Yeah. He's like a Viking man. <laughs> so what, is, what was your whole role on being on Castle? Because we were talking about the... the My role, I was playing myself. You were playing, playing comic yourself. comic book artist and creator Chris Moreno. 
that's fantastic because it was the episode where um, we learned that Becca is actually a big old nerd. Oh yeah, and Nebula and I. Nebula, yeah, she, um, you know, used to cosplay and go to sci-fi conventions and comic cons mm-hmm. and stuff, and uh, and it's phenomenal. Yeah, and they did a whole comic con inside the soundstage, um, and because uh, Marvel publishes the Richard the, Castle the graphic novels. Graphic novels yeah. They had like a little Marvel booth set up where Nathan Fillion can sign books and stuff. So my booth was right across from that. From the Derek Storm booth. Yes, it was pretty. It was pretty cool. I got some good placement. They put my signs everywhere. They really liked them. At one point, they were taking my signs and my banners and putting them in other places, in other shots. And uh, one of the crew guys was like, "Oh, you're getting you're getting free advertising out of this." You're going to be famous. Because I remember trying to look for you and I didn't see it. But Well, see, I'm been... barely there. My signs are everywhere, though. Okay. When they interview the blonde former cast member, right behind her head in every shot is my, is uh, Lisa from Zombie Dickheads poking her head out. Um, and then when Fillion and uh, Stana's balls about being a nerd and they keep going to her... Uh, her close up. I'm very blurry in the background at one of the shots. That's my that's my big Your cameo. Big thing. Is if you've seen me at shows with my hat on and my glasses and my big nose, it's like, <laughs> and you squint like you squint your eyes so that I'm very blurry. That's what it looked like on Castle. If you want to, if you want to see, I feel like I want to sell eight by ten glossies of me on Castle. But it's like cropping out Stanikotic's face so is just her ear. And then you can see my blurry. It looked like Bigfoot footage. Um, but I'm on there. We're gonna be analyzing you with like you yeah. know the the, 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 uh, the cloned yeah. Leonard Nimoy voiceover. Yeah, it's gonna be like the Zapruder footage. You're just gonna like <laughs> find conspiracies and all kinds of things out of it. But it was cool. It was really um, it was really fun. And uh, so, how did you land on this? I mean, what was the deal? Well, Steve Wyatt, who's a uh, who's a retailer and also helps, uh, he's, he's also one of the guys who runs the Big Wow Comic Con, uh, in San Jose. He was in contact with the art director for Castle, and they mentioned that they had the episode coming up and that they were looking to populate it with real, legit comics people. And, uh, so Steve okay. called me up and asked me if I wanted to do it, and I was available. So like, uh, I just packed up all my stuff. It was a really like cush gig compared to the other extras because the other extras had to go to wardrobe and get put in some, sort of like cosplay gear. It was you know for cosplay fans, it was kind of a funny uh, environment because there was more cosplay in that fake convention than I've ever seen at any show. It was like everybody that was everybody there. Was dressed. All the extras were dressed like something. There was nobody. There were like very few people that were just there. Everybody was dressed in some outfit, which was sort of wild because it. I, I guess the closest thing I've seen that's like that is maybe like Dragon Con. But even then, there's there's still less costume people at the actual show on the floor. Um, but I was fine with it. It was it was sort of like a it was it was sort of like an exaggerated view of a comic convention. But they made all kinds of extra signs for my table, so like my booth looked better than it's ever looked. You know, on my own. Well, and what I find interesting, though, is that for a fake convention, you had a really successful convention. I had a tremendous time. Yeah, <laughs> I sold a lot to the crew and the extras. Um, 
for one, it was a captive audience. So what I, what ended up happening was a lot of the extras would say start the shot at my table pretending to read my book and then they would have to walk to another section and then walk to another section. So then when they yell cut and they go back to one to to do the another take, that meant they came back to that same starting position which was reading my book or where they ended the scene which was reading my book. And I noticed some of them stopped pretending to read the book and were actually starting to read the book. Right. And a couple times they're like, they would walk back and go, oh, let me find where I was in the book. And, and that they were laughing. They, they thought the book was really funny. So I sold like a ton of Zombie Dickheads comics <laughs> to people, the extras on, extras on Castle, and some of whom like don't read comics. So it was another sort of score for me. Um, it's a score for comics in general. Score for comics in general and score for just, you know, the uh, the audience outside that everybody is is trying to find. I wouldn't recommend that the key to, sit to you know, gaining <laughs> new comic readers is that everybody become an extra on a TV show. Um, but it, I, I felt good. I felt like I had done my part right. as, like, an ambassador. Um, you I know. think that's interesting, though, that they, they specifically were looking for real comic industry talent because we were we also talked about uh psych which is you know one of my other favorite shows and they of course did uh sean versus the red phantom yeah and um every show every show these days seems to do a a trope episode it's trope now. now yeah yeah and um and the the vast difference in the production level of what Sykes version of the Santa Barbara Comic Con was. Yeah. <laughs> and... I wish there was a Santa Barbara Comic Con, by the way. That, that would have been sweet. They should have it like on a marina. <laughs> have a sit in boats. That'd be great. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it was a different thing and I, I give them a lot of credit for doing that. I know um Tone Rodriguez and Tony Fleece, the two guys in the studio I work in, they met uh, when the show Numbers did a convention. So Numbers had actually done a Comic-Con that had real, legit people okay. in it. Oh, and then uh, some of our art showed up uh, not too long after the Castle episode, uh, some of the rest of us from the studio, on um, the TBS show, The Wedding Band, with, uh, uh, what's his name, from uh, from 90210... And Sarah Sarah Connor Chronicles. Oh, Brian uh, Austin Green. Okay. Brian Austin Green has a show where he plays like he's part of like a wedding band, and they did an episode with uh, Megan Fox in it that took place at a Comic Con, where they were playing some uh, some uh, like sort of cosplay people were getting married. Like it was like a Star Trek. It was like a Klingon guy and like a Lord of the Rings person were getting married and it was like a feud between the... I don't know. It was, it was, that one was a little sort of like very stereotypical, but a bunch of our artwork showed up in that. We didn't get the set up there, but they used a bunch of our artwork in the background because uh, they had tapped Tone and Tony to do an image of Megan Fox because her character was supposed to be part of some uh, science fiction television show. And so they had them do, like, a drawing of her and, uh, for the episode. So they used a bunch of our artwork also. So um, So if you're listening and you want to, like, you know, have your big break, move to the West Coast. Get the fuck out of the East Coast. Yeah. I was going to say, and also, like, uh, you know, if you if you want, use those two shows. Those are part of my, my comic book filmography. It's, are you on IMDb now? No, not yet. I should probably get on you there. You probably should be on there. I don't understand this. I might this. be on there already for Shaolin. I don't know. 
I think, yeah, we're going to have to, okay. yes. I think right. this needs to be we'll done. We'll have to make that happen. That goes for everybody out there, too. Yeah. You want to get me going on an IMDb page. Get IMDb. Yeah, and make sure all the information is very, very false. I hear nothing's ever completely legit on IMDb <laughs> anyway, so. Put me in some movies. Put me in some of your favorite movies and TV shows if you want. Even um, if I'm not in there. Okay. Put me on, like, an episode of Hill Street Blues, like, when I was, like, two. <laughs> I couldn't possibly be in it. Yeah, well, I would, um, let's see, I would have you on Psych. Okay. Of course. Sure. Um, I would have to have you on, uh, well, we talked about Grey's Anatomy for a bit, even though I've never <laughs> seen the show. Yeah. Um, I would have you as some sort of, like, plague-ridden patient. Oh, oh or how about, well, because I want to do the other format uh, that that show, that show did, which was, um, I come in for a minor thing. You can, yeah, you've Something got an eyelash stuck in yeah, your eye. Yeah, I've got eye. an eyelash stuck in my eye, or I've got like a splinter, and then it t- <laughs> it's really... For some reason, there's some sort of complication that has nothing to do with me and probably has something to do with the other doctors, and that splinter travels from my yes. finger into my heart. Of course. Or into my brain, and then I die and on you, the operating you beca- table. Yeah, okay. And I- they play... Uh, they play Imogen Heap music or something, you know, in a, in a slow motion montage. It's like they cover me up with a sheet. Oh, my God. I have God. to tell my family. Yes. And then there's a spinoff. Yeah. Of me in the afterlife. I like, love it's this. It's like the yes, new highway to heaven. Yeah, because you've got now I'm a, a, a supernatural angel. element. Yeah. And you... We're covering all the bases. We're covering all the, the demographics. <laughs> I think this, I think this we is get a plan. The, we get the Grey's Anatomy demographic, and then we get the Supernatural demographic. Yeah. So do you have an agent now? Do I have to run this past somebody? No, not yet. I, I should probably get one after this. You should I should just be it. an agent by this one. <laughs> sure, why not? You can be my agent. <laughs> um, all right, so let's get some basic information. Where are people going to find you? Okay, um... Uh, my website, uh, chrismoreno.org. Because you're a non-profit charity? That's right, because I'm an organization made <laughs> up of very tiny parts. <laughs> atoms and... Uh, and molecules. Uh, yeah, atoms and molecules. Um, well, no, because .com was taken, .net was taken. Are there a lot of you? How many of you are there? There's a handful of us out there. There's a, I know there's a... Um, uh, Kansas City political consultant named Chris Moreno because <laughs> right. I use the quotes about him on the back of my comic book, <laughs> the back of Zombie Kids, because uh, I I get Google alerts for the name and they are some of the most hateful comments I've ever seen, and I like how they're not about me but they are sort of about me. Um, uh, there's a German DJ named Chris Moreno. Uh, it sounds so German. I feel like there's like some baseball players in South American countries. Um, there is a lady who's a uh, theater producer um, named Chris Moreno. Um, and every once in a while, I'll, I'll find like a stray. And I've also, I'm also friends on Facebook with a couple of Chris Morenos. That's really meta. Yeah, it's kind of wild. I feel like, uh, I sort of feel like one day it's going to be like that uh, Jet Li movie, The One. Like, <laughs> You're all meeting yourself. They're going to try to, like, kill the other ones to gain the power and stuff. Oh, my goodness. All right. And you're on Twitter, of course. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. But your Twitter is not just Chris Moreno. It's, it's Chris Moreno 121 because, again, some other stupid Chris Moreno got a hold of it. Yeah. Um, I just started using Instagram just because it's sort of fun and it's quick for me to sort of send stuff on the shows. And that one's Chris 
underscore Moreno121. Okay. Because people are onto me, I guess. They're starting to take these, starting to take my my regular screen names. Um, but yeah, I'm on DeviantArt, uh, Chris Moreno. DeviantArt.com. Uh, Jim Commentary is jimcommentary.blogspot.com for the podcast. Um, but yeah, and then uh, Shallon Chronicles Shallon has Crawling a Chronicles yeah. will be coming out. Yeah, but they have a Facebook page up too. So. Fantastic. All right. All right. Well, you guys can um, you know follow me on Facebook Amber and uh, that's on Twitter and Amber on that.com. So that's also where you find me on Facebook if you're into that. So, well, Chris, thanks for joining me. And thanks for visiting back to the East Coast for a little while. I love New Jersey. All right. All right. Well, uh, everybody, thanks for listening. Thank you.